the TV. It's like a blasted loud um, intro, and then you turn it down, and then they start talking. It's super quiet. And then you got to turn it back up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we're going to go with no intro. Okay. Okay. So this is the first episode of our new showcase podcast. Um, as I've talked a little bit about, the goal of it is to bring people from our communities into it and um, put the spotlight kind of on them, talk about their life, their stories, their goals, what they're doing. Um, and for our first ever episode, we brought on somebody we've been working with for quite a while in different capacities, um, a local bodybuilder, gym owner, sponsored athlete uh, by the name of Chris Burr. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you for having me. You ever think you'd be doing a podcast? No, man, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of funny that our first guest is you because yeah. you're much like me in this regard where this is pretty out of your element. Yeah, yeah. I don't like talking on camera or anything like that, so... Yeah, it's big definitely step. different. Yeah, yeah, big step is right. But you've done a lot of big steps last year because, yeah. well, when two years ago maybe you got your gym going and. Yeah, yeah, that would have been January of two thousand eight or nineteen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Forged Fitness. Yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. Okay, so I want to start talking kind of about you, but we're gonna start a little further back than the gym here because that's all pretty recent. Mm -hmm. um, so you've been bodybuilding for what now? Probably seriously for how long? Uh, I would say nine years dabbling in the sport, um, taking it very seriously since about 2015, so five years coming on my fifth year now. Yeah, and 2015, that'd be pretty close to when I first kind of met you. Yeah, so that, that was the year that I won the provincial overall the first time there, and that that that's when I really started investing everything that I into it. Yeah. And that's when it really changed. Cause I remember like, you know, kind of see you around the gym and you were always like, you're always like, like 15 or 20 pounds more muscle than me. So I'd always kind of see you as the guy that like, you know, kept me to like kind of chase that. Like mm -hmm. it was like attainable if I worked super hard. And then you just like the last five years, it's like you haven't missed a beat and every year just added a layer to your body. Yeah. It feels that way. Definitely. It's been a lot of fun. Um, just the biggest step was just hiring a serious coach. And uh, I think it was 2014, I hired Greg Doucette, who was my first real experience with a real coach. And that was like eating a meal plan 365 days a year kind of a thing. Like he, he he's a no cheat meal type guy. And that's kind of, that was my first year training and eating like that. And um. It, it showed in, in how I showed up for that show. You know, I was far more conditioned than anybody else. I certainly didn't win it because I was the biggest. It was just a discipline contest for me. I was only about 168 pounds on stage that day, so it just goes to show that, like, you don't need to be, be the biggest guy to, to win the overall. Um, and I, I worked with Greg for a few years, but it just it wasn't he, – he wasn't the guy that was going to take me to – anything bigger than what I was. He's a very like conservative calories type guy, like eat, eat a hundred, 200 calories in surplus and, and grow only lean muscle. He's all about burning fat and building muscle, which works to some extent, but not if you want to make any real night and day differences. Right. Yeah. Cause you were always like for years straight, you were probably single digit body fat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was cool. And it was exciting to see like the, the, you know, you're in the gym, you're pumped up, you take good pictures. It looks cool. That aspect, but you diet down and there's not much difference in stage weight. So I found, I found I started making the most progress where I was following, you know, his, his, uh, guidelines for training, um, and supplements and stuff like that. But I was actually eating a lot more than what he had me doing. 
And so basically not following his dieting. And then I would come back and then I had one, one year where we were dieting in 2017 and I was looking to be about 190 pounds on stage. I didn't end up finishing that prep, but, um, that the biggest contributor to that progress that I'd made, was the me taking kind of the off season into my own hands nutrition wise. So at that point I just kind of felt like I needed to find somebody more of a old school mass monsters type, um, mentality to make that, you, you know, you always, you always hear the, the top level guys say, it's all about food. You just got to, you know, get a little ugly, eat the food and train hard. And so I, I sought out, uh, Ian Valier. Yeah. Do you guys put on a ton of size? Yeah. Yeah. So big difference with him, like went from, you know, like I got up to like pretty close to two fifty my first off season with him. It wasn't super pretty, but like we we definitely made a difference. And and what had you been getting up to before that for your off season weights? It, w- it would never be over like two fifteen. Yeah, so looking like thirty five pounds. Yeah, yeah. So pretty big difference in that aspect. So do you think like I I mean I'm not a bodybuilder, but I speak with a lot of bodybuilders, and I agree with like kind of that mentality that you probably do have to push the calories and the weight a little bit to put on that extreme size. But for more like lifestyle people um do you think like you know somebody like me if i'm looking to put on more muscle for somebody whose goals aren't as extreme do you need to put on all that extra weight or would you suggest more of the greg Doucette style the greg Doucette style would be awesome for lifestyle like every day i looked good i felt good i love my meals you know he does the the multi-variety meal options so it was a great way to learn to eat like that and not so old school bodybuilding chicken and rice like there's a lot of creative ideas in there that we utilized and yeah like every day i i looked fantastic um the training was fun um i lost my train of thought there. that's okay yeah so like <laughs> but i i see what you're saying and like it's for somebody who maybe just wants to look better in a tank or look good at the gym or on the beach or they just want to be healthier or stronger or whatever yeah. like that probably is kind of a better way to go for sure yeah 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 so like when you're coaching people because you've got a coaching company it's tnt right yeah truth and triumph and triumph and you're partnered up with lorraine burr yeah yeah no relation though right no yeah everybody (laughs) thinks she's my mom but uh, yeah (laughs) so we kind of play into that joke sometimes but uh it is kind of weird that you guys all kind of found that similar passion same vision for a gym and you got the same last name but no relation yeah yeah it's pretty unique because it is a unique last name and we all kind of Ended up in Martinsville of all places too. And yeah, yeah, well, it worked out. But um, so like when you're coaching lifestyle clients, because I think that, you know, like half the people listening to this are going to be more average people. And I think sometimes people are scared to take advice from somebody who's like such an extreme bodybuilder because they think, well, I don't want to look like that, right? Yeah. But so you, you're giving like different recommendations for those different things, right? Like the average person doesn't have to put on extra body weight and fat. Yeah, and yeah, so... Every person is their own unique problem to solve. Like it's, it's not, there's no base formula for, for anything. You come to me, you tell me your goals and I look at your lifestyle as you're living it now. And we build a plan around that. I I know from past experience, it's, it's real unrealistic to give somebody a meal plan that's so far away from what they're currently doing and expect them to nail it, right? Some people come really motivated and they're ready for that challenge, but most people, they need they need help in baby steps making this a lifestyle change for them. So a lot of it is just finding finding what they love about their foods and their, their habits in life and 
meeting them in the middle with that and then slowly, you know, bringing them over to my side. Um, with that being said, that doesn't mean that anybody's for a lifestyle just going to be eating, you know, plain, plain foods all the time or anything like that. But it's, it's just about finding something that you can do with your career, which is a big thing because a, a lot of coaches that I've worked with in the past and the common factor with them is they're full-time coaches. They don't know what it's like to do a labor job or uh, shift work or anything like that. So it's, it's real easy for me sitting at home to tell you what you need to be doing to be perfect, but um, for you to take that into your job where it's like, oh, I don't get a break till 12 and I don't, you know what I mean? Like you, you got to build plans that fit people's lifestyles. You can't, you can't be giving them something that you say is what they have to do and it's causing them stress because that's just going to, you know, result in negative results for them and for you in a negative experience, which is potentially going to push them away from the idea of coaching altogether. So, yeah, yeah. I remember like, this is quite a while back now, but like I bought a plan, like a meal plan off yeah. you and stuff. And I don't know if you still do this way for like more lifestyle people, mm -hmm. but I remember it being really cool. Cause you, you give like a few options for each meal that you could pick. So there yeah. was like wraps and like, there were shakes if you yeah. didn't have time for a wrap and there was all these different things that yeah. you could just choose. I, and I, I do still utilize that style for, for the people that fit that, that, that criteria really well. Um, what that is, is that's basically like a, if it fits your macros plan, but I've done all the thinking for you. So it, it, it's, it's fit. All the options are to fit into that macro needs, but instead of just letting you, you know, go get, <laughs> your protein and carbs and eat a piece of pizza and then I'll eat all day. I've, I've done it in a way that, that gives you tons of volume in your food. Uh, lots of high fiber options for fullness and stuff like that. So it's a very, it's a very satisfactory diet style. So people are enjoying their food. They're not craving things. They're, uh, there's such a, a wide variety of things. If you're having a sweet tooth, there's products on there for that. Or if you want the traditional bodybuilding meal, it's there. Or if you want a nice big, you know, salad, on a hot day like there's I feel like there's something for everything and if anybody ever comes to me and they they say oh you know I really miss like a burger I'll find a way to make that work on their plan too for the right person if it if it if it aligns with their goals you know yeah and that's like so much what you're saying is like it has to depend on the person right because mm -hmm. for some people like I remember back when I was stricter yeah um, I kind of had this bad thing where if I had like an actual cheat meal like if I had like burger fries milkshake it was really hard for me to not do that every single day for the next month. Yeah. It was actually easier for me to just like skip the actual cheat meal. And I would still have like, you know, I would do like protein shakes that tasted like milkshakes and stuff, but um, I'm able to now like incorporate burgers and yeah. stuff. But yeah, I think it's like, you know, working with that person. And I think that's something that comes with time too. Just like you said, uh, you, before you struggled with it where you'd have a burger and that's all you could think about was junk food. I've been down that road too. And a lot of people are, so you kind of have to be careful you know, who you're giving that to when and if they're mature enough to handle a cheat meal, you know, like uh, a lot of people can't handle it. You know, it, it's like yeah. it's you deprive them from stuff and then you give them a little taste of it. And then it's it's like taking a alcoholic to a liquor store and saying, hey, don't touch anything, you know? Yeah. Well, I've actually used that comparison a lot because like, you know, when like family would pressure me to have stuff mm -hmm. back in the day and stuff, it's like, you know, like it, that would be the same as me pressuring an alcoholic yeah. to have a drink because like sugar, I, like, I don't know if this is true, but I've read that it's 
basically as addictive as like cocaine and other yeah. hard drugs. Yeah, I've the read way that, that it, too. Yeah, the way it stimulates dopamine in your yeah. brain. So like, I think there are people with like real food addictions and real addictions to sugar and fats and yeah, you got to be careful with mm-hmm. how you're prescribing those into a diet, right? Yeah. It doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, like, this is all really good. And I think that, like, this is, like, more actually open to the average person than I thought. And I think a lot of people probably think that some of your styles are. Yeah. Which is so that that was actually a big reason why I approached Lorraine for a partnership. Is I, I had the old company in Burr's Beast, and uh, it was awesome, and it was doing well, but it was a little perceived as hardcore right yeah. uh she had a lot of insight on that so um you know I, I felt like lorraine was the perfect partner for me because we'd been working together for a while and 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 what i lack she has and what she lacks i have lorraine has all the knowledge in the world but she has trouble pushing people being being hard on them i'm good <laughs> at being hard on people but i lack empathy right so She's been working with me a lot. Like uh, I've grown so much mentally and maturely uh, with how I handle problems and interactions and social media and all that over the last year. Uh, so it's definitely been you know a worthwhile investment in that that part. But uh, yeah, like it's it's a unique thing what we're doing. Not a lot of people kind of work together on on clients, and that's something that we've we brought to the table together because it's, it's just it, sometimes it just gets stressful, you know, especially these contest prep clients. Like it, it can get stressful, and it can be really nice to just have somebody to bounce ideas off of and problem solve oh, yeah. with. You know, like it's just like a business partner, right? Exactly. Like you have somebody who's there for it all. They care just as much as you do. Yeah. Like yeah, like you can talk with another buddy and get a get an opinion. You've got tons of connections you can mm-hmm. ask, but it's different when it's somebody's actual client, right? Yeah. 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 I think it's a great idea what you guys are doing paired up. And I think that like it really opens up who will feel comfortable training with you guys. Like, you know, not just the fact you've got a female and a male that's got benefit, but you guys both have different perspectives, Mm -hmm. you're different ages. So you're bringing different life experience to the table. Well, and it just, it, it, it exposes us to people that we would normally wouldn't have the opportunity to work with. So some people that are intimidated by, you know, maybe how I present myself, I now get the chance to give them a little taste of it. And for one, people can see for themselves that I'm not that bad. And for two, <laughs> it's, they can get those results that they, that they've always dreamed of having that, that I can help give them and Lorraine can help give them and stuff like that. And she gets a chance to, you know, work with maybe some more higher level athletes that wouldn't normally go for her because she nothing like not to take anything away from her, but she just, doesn't put herself out there. She's almost you know? too humble. In She's some very, ways, very right? humble in that aspect. And, you know, find, find me another woman that, that looks as muscular developed as her around here. So it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So how did you even get into all this? Cause obviously the coaching came from being into bodybuilding and having some success at that yourself. Yeah. Um, so where does that all start? Because, you know, people just see where you're at now and it's probably so like, well, so far away from where they're at. Right. It's how, how does this happen? Where did you start? Uh, like bodybuilding or coaching? Bodybuilding. Where bodybuilding. did you start? What started the coaching? So, uh, I was never into the gym. I don't have one of those inspirational stories where it's like, oh, I picked up a magazine and dreamed of looking like that. It was nothing like that. I was honestly, I was too insecure to step foot in the gym. And in high school, I played, uh, I did track and field and I played football and 
you know, part of being in football is doing the weightlifting, and I was just I was too intimidated to ever step foot in the gym. So I just I ducked out at every session. And uh, as far as track goes, I was actually a national level sprinter. I won a gold medal in the four by one hundred and placed top four in most of the sprint events in two thousand fifteen. So those legs are definitely yeah. partly genetic. <laughs> yeah. So that that's my that's my true love is track. I would I would give this all up to go back to that any day. But yeah, um, just had some poor life decisions when I was younger and had some injuries and it just put me too far out of touch from that. So, yeah, it's probably like, you know, once you're taken out of it, it's probably tough to just as yeah. a mid twenties man to go back. I do. I do plan once this bodybuilding things over as I am, I am going to go back, obviously not at a super competitive level, but I'm going to train with the train with the crew and, and, uh, you know, see, see what I can do. I remember when I was, I was younger, I was in there, there was a older guy, um, he, he kind of did the same thing. He just, he joined up. He was probably like 45, 48 maybe even, but he was just jacked. Like he was just, he ended up being my training partner for a lot of things, but like he was quick. Like he was running like the 60 meter indoors and in like 6.9, like it was, which is crazy fast. Like that's national level, but so I don't know. Uh, there's, there's part of me that has high hopes for that, that end of it. But, you know, growing up, it was always, I thought I was going to, you know, make the Olympics, pay the bills, be a professional athlete, whether it was going to be football or track, whatever it was, that, that's what I was going to do, you know? So when I fell away from that and kind of gave up on it, that was, just, that was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, <clears throat> I, I just, you know, um, like a lot of people don't know this about me, but in, I think it was January or February of 2016, I was actually framed for a armed robbery and I, I got charged. So um, that basically like just, you know, took me off this path that I was going down. It derails you. And just completely derails me because whether you did it or not, once you're in the system, you know, you're just, you're treated like a criminal. You're exposed to the stuff in the criminal life. Like it's, it, it's not fun, you know, and, and, um, so that, that happened, and I remember I was dealing with it. I was being kind of – it was a place that I worked at. I worked at a gas station when I was younger, and it got robbed. And just for some reason, the two girls that were working were just like, it was Chris. Chris did it. You know, like, that's it. That's they just pointed the finger. That's, that's all it all took. that they went off of. And the next thing, you know, I'm being, you know, called into the police station. And, uh, you know, I, I was such a young, naive kid um, – where I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to cooperate. I have nothing to hide. So I, I go in and I talk to the detective and, and uh, you know, they ask if you want to have a lawyer. Well, I felt like that would make me look guilty. So I was like, no, 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 I'm ready. To, like, I'll just talk to you. And I, I talked. I told him everything that I needed to say. I gave him alibis as to where I was that night. Um, and, yeah, it just got scary, you know, like he – he left the room. He did that whole good cop, bad cop thing. He came back and he just starts yelling at me, calling me a liar and, you know, just absolutely treating me like shit. And um, so from there, I just kind of, you know, left. I, I didn't have a ton of support from my family or anything growing up. And it was really just on my own for this situation, just trying to figure it out. And, you know, I kept going to school and trying to play football and do stuff. But I, I do remember finishing a game and and knowing that, I had to go turn myself in the next day because that's apparently what, what you do. That's what the lawyer said you do. You just, if you're, 
you're being charged, so you have to accept it, right? Like, so you go show up at so you wherever, sh- the police yeah. station or the courthouse, or where do you go? Uh, you go downtown to the police station. They basically, you know, book you in, take pictures of you, um, do your fingerprints. And then uh, I can't remember if it was that day or if it was later on, but they actually took me down to Kilburn. So they put me right in there. You, you know, you, you go in, you strip down, you have to shower in front of some guy who's watching you, and they give you this light shampoo. It's humiliating, right? Like, it's, yeah, no And I'm just a, like a 16-year-old kid. Like, I don't, you know, this is just a lot of exposure for me. And then, you know, you're put in there. I was just, just there for the day, and then I ended up going into court for that day to plead or whatever. And, uh, or it was my first appearance. And... I just remember, like, you're in the court cells back there, and there's just, like, some rough people in there with you, you know? Like, it's just, this is not, this is not me. This is not what I want to be part of, you know? And uh, so I proceeded with that and, and got, a, got a legal aid, a lawyer, and, you know, met with him lots. Like, the crappy thing is, is this, this case dragged on until I was 19 years old. This is, like, two and a half or three years of your life then. Gone completely. So I was released from jail because I'm, you know, obviously not a threat to society as I am or whatever as I was. And, uh, yeah, they gave me, you know, a bunch of conditions. I had a curfew for my whole teenage life, (laughs) you know. What a nightmare. Yeah. So finally when I was 19, you know, every time we'd go meet up, for the court dates to start the trial, there'd be somebody lacking evidence on this end or somebody didn't talk to a witness on this end and it was just adjournment, adjournment, adjournment. And it's like, it was just crazy. I can't believe the justice system works like that so inefficiently, right? It is inefficient mm-hmm. and there's things that are broken. Yeah. So finally, in when I was 19, they finally, you know, concluded that there's really no evidence against me I did everything I needed to do to prove myself. So I was not guilty, which is awesome. But it's just like, now what? You know, like, there's no... So, sorry, it came, it came back as not guilty yeah. after all that. After all that. Holy shit. I know. So it's like, I should have just <laughs> said guilty right off the start, and it would have been done in, like, six months. And You know yeah, what I, I mean? I mean, that's so much easier said than done, though. How yeah. do you say you're guilty to something you didn't do? Right, I know. Like, like it's... It was a lot of stress through those years, you know, like you have to grow up real fast. And I know most 16 year olds already should be, should be growing up, but it's just like, like it was just, it really rocked my world, you know? So, uh, yeah. And like, yeah, there's parts that should be mature at 16, but like your brain isn't fully done developing. Like mm-hmm. your frontal lobe isn't done. De- like there's a lot yeah. that's still going on. So it was like, it's hard. Cause like I went to a pretty like, like I went to Marion Graham, which is yeah. a, more of a high-end school yeah. in comparison to some. Like, I was always from the west side, so I left the west side to get away from some trouble that I was getting into. And, uh, yeah, I went there, but it, it's hard to have this this stuff going on and, you know, all these kids with their perfect lives and When their parents are probably like, oh, don't hang out with that guy. He's yeah. got these charges. Or- yeah, yeah. And, you know... Maybe to the the justice system, once you're not guilty, you're not guilty. But to, from my experience with police, once you're kind of in that system, you're 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 just deemed a criminal, right? Like, you're there's always there. a little harassed when I get pulled over and stuff like that for like speeding or something like that. It was because that's still in there, so yeah. it still comes up. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep stuff in on their end, 
but like if you were to go do a record search like there's nothing like that on there anything, yeah it's so like you could get a job without yeah. a headache now but yeah. probably for a long time it was a headache like from the ages of 16 to well, 19 yeah like what that? do you say you know like yeah oh i'm in an investigation or a court trial right and now you're a 17 like, year old saying i didn't do it i swear yeah exactly yeah that's tough yeah so then after once you were done with all that stuff like you know you've got a curfew for all your teenage years and stuff did you go like pretty hard the other way and like do all the partying you missed out on or not really not really no like i i'm not gonna lie i i left my house after curfew a lot during that time <laughs> they were like i said like they were pretty lenient with me because it's just like there's just a just like white like even when i was going to kilburn the the cop that was driving me there he's like hey aren't you don't you play running back for graham like he knew me you know like it's i was always in the paper back then and on on global news like scoring touchdowns and stuff so it's you know oh, really yeah so it's like he knew me and he was really like every time I, I actually was downtown or with cops they were so nice to me like the only time i ever got um caught after curfew was i was literally like a block away from my house i just went to get some mcdonald's i pulled over cop did like a u-turn uh looked at my plate came drove up did my plate and then they drove around the block and i was like oh i better get home and i'm trying to get home and i was driving like a five liter mustang in december and it's like just <laughs> tires are just spinning and they pulled me over and they're like ah oh, you can drive your car home and 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 they 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 yeah they were, they were super cool but again you still have to go spend the night in the drunk tank and that's i don't know it's never fun you know yeah no kidding so I, I was exposed to a lot of stuff that i shouldn't have been and that you know most people don't even know about you know like yeah i mean like that's completely different than anything like i grew up east side saskatoon right mm. like that's completely different than my experience or like people i grew up with yeah that yeah that's hard yeah so this is always trying to you know keep that a secret and carry on with my life normally yeah, uh, like I, I don't have told very many people that, but I, I kind of, you know, want to try to reach out to more troubled youth and guys that are having a hard time and just see what they can turn their life around to. Because well, no kidding. Now you're a business owner, yeah, successful athlete in a completely different sport than what you started at, yeah. right? Like one door closes, another. It sounds cliche, but like, yeah, literally another one opens. Yeah. So, yeah. so then I don't know. I think I was probably like nineteen, yeah, eighteen ish. I, I met a, I met a girl and we started dating and. Uh, it was it was good it was like my first real serious relationship we were together for a couple of years and um but she she ended up cheating on me which you know just absolutely ripped me apart um i i had my we like we we lived together in a, an apartment and and uh from there it was just like well, what the hell do i do now you know like um and <laughs> this is going to sound hilarious but like around the same time that show jersey shore was was really <laughs> coming up, right? Like, yeah. and and I just remember watching that, and you know, I was Ronnie, and I was like, man, those guys look awesome. You know, like they're they're so big, and they're they're always just having a good time, and they're you know, all the girls want them, so it was like, I'm, I'm gonna start working out, you know, and Jersey Shore started, yeah, it. yeah. So I, I started out at the Cosmo gym there on on the west side. Yeah, um, it's like, you know, you could fit that gym in your apartment, right? Like. There's not much in there. There's a universal machine, some dumbbells, but, you know, I was still battling a lot of insecurities. So I did that for a while, and then I had a, a leisure pass, and then I eventually made my way to uh, the Shaw Center. Uh, 
And the Shaw Center, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like it's split into two levels. So there's the, the basement level, and then you go upstairs, and then there's the other level. And I was like, all the big guys were always upstairs, so I always stayed down there. Yeah, I was like really limited to my equipment because I was just too scared to go up there, right? Like, it was, it was definitely not some walk in there and just feel like the king and just be comfortable. Like, I was so uncomfortable with, with you know, intimidation and what people were thinking of me, you know, like what a, what a lot of people probably experience when they do take their first steps in the gym. And it's funny, like you don't probably don't expect to hear that from, you know, it's not like I was overweight or anything like that. I was just a normal looking dude. And honestly, probably a little bit more built than the average dude because I did have such an athletic background and I always was a little, a little thicker in that aspect. So, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, just progressively made my way upstairs and was, you know, training and, uh, ended up meeting a guy and he just kind of was like um i don't know how old he was probably 30 or 40 but just the way he trained like if i look back at it now it was absolutely stupid but like he just <laughs> trained hard you know like everything we did we did we did hard uh, as hard as we could it didn't matter and and that was awesome there was three of us we, we met up every day we did that like i remember beat back then we would do like walking lunges with like 225 on our backs and it was probably horrible form and but you know we were just doing everything i remember he would throw like six to eight plates on the trap their trap bar and do shrugs and he, you know it'd barely be moving and <laughs> and i remember we me and the other guy we were we were younger guys we were small he was he was bigger than us and he'd be like you know harvey uh you're barely moving that weight he's like what's that i can't hear you he'd, Shrug his traps. Traps his ears. covered in his Rome ears. wasn't built in a day, boys. Don't be jealous. <laughs> you know what, though? For guys like around our age, I think that was almost like a rite of passage in the gym because there wasn't all this information that there is now. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody who got really into it, I think they went through a phase where, like, they probably trained, like, like idiots. Yeah. But they trained hard. Yeah. You know, like, when I was starting, everything was, like, everything was, like, a triple drop set. Yeah. And I'd run to the gym and everything was way past failure. Yeah. And... Like, you know, looking back now, it's like, you know, if I, if I tried to do that now, I'd just get hurt. Yeah. But when you're 17 or 18, you I can. I know, it's awesome. It's, it's like, it's, the less you know, the, the better it is, right? you just go hard. Yeah. And, and the more you know, then the more it's like, well, you set these mental limits on things because it's like, well, according to this data, that's not productive. So I'm not going to do that. When really you don't, you don't truly know, you know, it's like, I look back at my track days where like. I would go home and, and not even, I would eat like maybe breakfast and supper after track, like no food, but I would be performing at, you know, a national level. Yeah, optimal. You know, like when I was 13 years old, I was recruited and I was training with the Huskies team. So, <laughs> you know, like we'd, we'd go out of town for a track meet and then I'd get like Dairy Queen before the race and pig out, you know, like imagine what a person could do with the proper nutrition, uh, training or the nutrition plan for for training and competing for their goals you know like yeah like if you had that optimized yeah yeah but like i think like sometimes i think it worked out good for guys our age to get that learn the intensity mm -hmm. learn that work ethic and then add the kind of like the real science and yeah. the, the the proper execution yeah but then i also think you know for kids now like 16 17 i think you can start out with both you can mm -hmm. start out training hard and with all that access to information that we didn't have, like yeah. we didn't just have, like you couldn't go on, you couldn't go on Instagram and hire Chris Burr mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Right. Like that wasn't a thing. No, it wasn't. You just had to find a big guy in the gym and yeah. ask him what to do. And that in itself is, is a really risky move, you know, like 
Yeah, it could work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I remember uh, I, I well, for a lot of my first years, it was just like trying everything I possibly could. Like uh, there was this big guy. We went, we'd, we'd go in the hot tub after our workouts at the Shaw Center there, and there's this huge guy in the hot tub. And I remember asking him, like, how'd you get that big? And he's like, oh, I just eat every three hours, you know. <laughs> and it's like I, I went home, and that's what I did. I, I remember setting alarms overnight, and I'd get up every three hours and eat a meal. And it's like. I should have asked him a little bit more <laughs> advice on that because I'm sure he didn't mean every three hours, 24 hours a day, you know. That, yeah. that, that didn't last very long. That was about three days, and I did not have the money to keep that habit going. But Yeah, no kidding. That's expensive. Yeah. And, like, oh, I did the phase, too, where, like, yeah, you'd wake up in the night. to I'd do a shake or something, and, like, I don't I – don't, I don't know if that's worth sacrificing the sleep for. I don't think so. No. There's too many benefits to actually sleeping, like, you know, the release of your natural growth hormone and – and, uh, and the healing and repairing of muscle tissues and stuff like that, that you're going to get that food's not going to be able to provide without the sleep, right? Yeah, like I know one of the best things for my performance in like the last five years has been getting a sleep apnea machine because now I sleep all night. Yeah. And like that does more than like diet changes or anything. Because like I used to sleep like maybe like, I, like I don't know how many times a night I'd wake up, but I just wake up exhausted. And then I got that machine. What was waking you up? I'd like be gasping. Oh, like really? The, yeah, yeah. I'd like choke a little bit. Yeah. I have a sleep apnea machine too, but I'm not, I'm not really diligent with using it. You know, it's it's too easy to fall asleep without putting it on. Um, But I don't, I don't notice, like I don't wake up gasping or anything, but my wife always said like, you sound like you're dying in your sleep and I have to elbow you to get you to breathe and stuff. So really it's definitely needed, you know, but yeah. uh, See, like for me, I think it's easier to be compliant because if I don't, I, I don't fall asleep because as I'm drifting off, I'm like, wake up like that Mm. so if i put my machine on i'm like asleep in 10 minutes yeah so for me it actually helps me fall asleep yeah i just find like when i'm when i'm into a good uh rut of using it it's good but like starting out i find as soon as i put it on i'm too focused on breathing yeah you know like i feel like i'm suffocating does yeah does it ever feel like it's like inflating you like it just keeps blowing in yeah so i just like pop my mouth open and yeah, goes right through. Yeah, yeah, I have to do that too. Do you use the nose or the full? Mask? I just use the nose. Oh yeah, me too. That's what. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. do the full mask. Well, and like I got the beard, so yeah. I don't think it would seal. No, but I was just getting like ingrown hairs around there too when I was using the full mask. But yeah, sometimes you got to pull it out when you're sick. But yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so okay, so sorry, I kind of derailed that. But so you got into the gym there. Uh, you're training with buddy, kind of doing the bro science way for sure. And then did you do a show before you hired a coach, or did you hire Greg and then? do a show no so i did that with harvey and them at shaw center and then you know eventually graduated to good life the the big leagues right um and i was training there can't remember if i was already working in at, at bailey's at the bar but um i'd go there at nighttime late at night and train and i remember i saw this this show coming up and I had, I had already started using performance-enhancing drugs. Like, Harvey was just like, oh, yeah, I'll get you on some, some tests and D-ball. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember he gave me my injection in the shoulder, and we'd go, and it was so foolish and stupid. And probably what he was giving me was completely underdosed or fake. You know, like, it was more more often than not, that's what was going on with those gym bros. But um I remember I I, I, knew, I saw a show coming up online and I was like, oh, I'm so motivated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do it naturally. I'm going I'm to kick ass, you know. Yeah. Um, so I went on bodybuilding.com. I found some information, found a diet, 
and uh, was following it and trying to diet. And then I remember I was working out one night at Good Life, and uh, this, this guy approached me, um, and he's like, "Hey, are you are you competing?" And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah." And he kind of asked like what I was doing, and I told him kind of about my diet. I was eating like those maple brown sugar packs of oatmeal for yeah. breakfast, and he just had a good laugh at me. And uh, he's like, "No, no." He's like, "Let me see you pose," and and uh, so I hit a few poses, and he's like, "Well, you you know, you got a you got a good little physique, and you got you got legs, so that's important." And he's like, "I'll help you," you know, and and uh, so I was like, "Sure," and he he offered to help me for free, and but he he criticized what I was doing, and you know, you're not you're not going to do. There's no way you can do it naturally," he said, and I I didn't know enough at the time to. Uh, contradict that statement so yeah. i was like okay yeah whatever and he just he's like here i'll give you everything you need and dropped it on my doorstep kind of a thing and <laughs> went away right and then uh so we did that show um it was 2012 novice show um that's back when Orlando was hosting the shows. I don't know if you ever went to them back then but yeah well I went so I don't know if he was doing them when they were in like the we well, uh, went to the one Jay Cutler was that? Yeah, that was in like 2010, right? Yeah, 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah, that was in like big theater. Yeah, but before that, they were in like high school. Yeah, gym. so you didn't do like the high school. No, gym. I did the, the big Regina theater, and I'm like, wow, like this is got cool. spoiled for your you first know? show. Yeah, every weight class had their own warm up room, and like the stage was super cool. There's tons of people there. You know, like it, it was awesome. It was, and then the next year it was like Moose Jaw High School Basement Gym, and it was like this sucks. You know, like. <laughs> They're, they're starting to do like cool venues again. Yeah, it, yeah. There's yeah. It'd be nice if like younger people could watch it. The one now, but that's mm-hmm. a separate topic. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know why they they strayed away from the big venues. Maybe they weren't making the money that they needed to cover them or something. But I think a lot of it had to do with like Orlando was ambitious in bringing those guests, which was awesome. But I I don't think they were making what it costs to bring them here. Yeah, like, it's expensive. But, like, Orlando did have, like, a big vision. And, like, he yeah. worked hard for, like, bodybuilding in yeah. Saskatchewan. Yeah, he definitely knows how to promote a show and put a good one on. I'd love to see him get back into it. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun for, for our athletes. Um, he, he did it without <laughs> ego issues, too, so. Yeah, he just, like, he seemed to genuinely want yeah. to put on a sweet show for yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, anyways, so I did that show. Uh, I got second in lightweight. I was like 152 pounds, and it felt it felt really shitty to lose. Like that's not something I was used to. You know, every time I, I raced, I won, and track, I won, and football, we won provincials. Like it was just I'm used to dominating things and not losing, and to put what I thought was a really hard effort in and get second place kind of sucked. Um, but if I if I analyze the prep, you know, it was. It, <laughs> My commitment wasn't there. I was drinking a lot still, and uh, that—that's another thing. When uh, when I was getting into the gym, I was also getting into drugs and and alcohol. So it was kind of a, I don't know, a weird time to get into working out when you're really getting into the party scene. But you know, yeah, but also like. I mean, that's kind of what Jersey Shore was, right? You see yeah. these guys looking good, partying. Yeah, and. Like yeah. you can see where the influence would lead mm-hmm. down that road. Yeah. So after after that relationship, I think uh, I had a, a buddy, a good buddy. He'd been like one of my only friends since grade nine kind of a thing. Uh, but he was always kind of <laughs> into the shitty things. So 
he was he was um, selling ecstasy at the time, and that was actually the first. I didn't even drink. I was pretty straight edge. Like I didn't drink through high school. I think I had my first like I first got drunk was like in grade twelve at like the end of the year party. It was like the first time yeah. I really actually went to a party and drank. So, um, was pretty uh, with everything going on with the the law stuff. I was still focused as much as I could be on the sports. I was still trying as hard as I could to to get through track. Um, it was discouraging though because in in you know in grade nine here I am winning national gold medal by grade twelve I couldn't even make high school provincials because in between there I tore my hip flexor twice and it just I you know family had no money we didn't do physios I, I think I got some free physio from like Smithwick's on twenty second uh, did a few sessions but didn't really buy into it too much it was like oh it feels good I'm going back to train and yeah didn't finish the programs ever ended up just hurting itself and it was just never the same. So, um, that was super discouraging to, to go from that level in grade nine to that level in grade 12. But there is a lot of top quality athletes in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon in particular, like some of the people that I train with, uh, Brianne used to train with when I was younger. Brianne Thiessen has gone on to compete in the Olympics and win medals and, uh, like every everybody from that training group has gotten full scholarships in the states and really? done some pretty amazing things in in the in the world in the sport. So it's hard to watch them all do that, and you know, just but that's what happens when you push through and push yourself and don't give up. And I, I gave up and got into other stuff and found ecstasy, and that felt you know really good at the time. It's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that that was my first experience with anything, drugs, alcohol. So forever after that, I was wondering why things didn't feel that, like feel like that, right? Like yeah. so I was constantly chasing that extreme high with things like drinking till like I was beyond blacked out. Like so many times it's like you wake up the next morning and there's no money in your bank account. There's no recollection of the night before. Your car's got dents in it. You don't know what's, you know, like it's just bad habits and it was just well now i need to find money to get messed up again tonight and that was my life for years it was just a constant you know journey to find find money to get messed up and it you know i was a pretty crappy person during those times and addictions fuel that behavior where you you, you just will say what you need to say and do what you need to do to to get get your hands on something and um i did did get away from the ecstasy, but got kind of got into coke, which is no better. But um, so I, I, my first year of bodybuilding, those things were prevalent in my lifestyle. And I, I remember like the show was April 3rd or something. And my birthday was March 16th. And you, you bet I was out at the bar blacked out. So yeah, you a know, couple weeks before. So when you, you factor those things in, it's like, well, if I did all that and still got second, you know, what could I do if I committed all in, right? Yeah. So I think it was sometime in 2013. I was working at Good Life 2012, 2013. I was a trainer there. And that's a lot of what we did at Good Life too. Like all the trainers, we'd go out, we'd get drunk, right? Like yeah. A lot of partying. And, you know, one night it, it just, I was already with my wife now. But uh, just went went a little too far and she was unhappy and she left me at the bar alone and 
you know, I came home and just kind of got the ultimatum the next day where it's like, you know, you get, you quit or you're, we're done. And that was the last time I drank. So. Holy shit. So once you, like once you quit, you just quit. Yeah. Just cold Turkey quit. Like I've, I've had beers since then. Yeah. But, but like what, like when you say that, I feel like that's maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. Like the, we, I did get drunk in, in Toronto last year. I, I remember running into you guys there. Yeah. It was the night before I met up with you guys, but yeah, I, d- I, I did a g- there, but you know, nothing like what it used to be. So. Yeah. And like, that's like one time getting drunk in yeah. years. Yeah. So for a long time I was, I was scared to even touch it because it's like, well, I, I can't handle it responsibly because as soon as I get a taste, then I want whiskey. Yeah. And then I want to pound the whiskey back. And when I'm through that, I want to find Coke. And so was it when you did have drinks in Toronto, did that come out or no. are you, so you think you're probably past that yeah. then? Hey, yeah, it felt really good to just, and even a couple of times before that at the lake or something, I would have a few beers and, yeah. And uh, be okay. It was just, you know, you, you feel that feeling when the alcohol sits, sits your system and it's like, oh, that feels good. But it's just like, that's okay. I'm not going to chase it to feel more anymore. Like it was, it was so bad back then. I remember I would like drink energy drink after energy. Drink. I'd feel a little, that, that initial caffeine high. And then you want more and more and more, you know? And to like, be honest, that's like, that's kind of like me. And like, I, like, Partly, I, I need to be on all the time so yeah. that I can justify it. But, like, at some point, I need to cut back on that because yeah. I'm similar. You know, I, t- I have that caffeine, and I like how I feel. I mm. feel energetic. I feel more outgoing. And then you want more. But the thing I notice is it's never as good as that first hit. No, it's, you, you know, you get, you get what you need out of yeah. the caffeine and then it's done its job yeah. and it's not like more is better. Yeah. And the same thing with everything, right? Yeah. Like I actually realized that cause I used to, when I drank, I used to drink until like I was done. Mm-hmm. Now like I've noticed, like if I have like, I drink these 4% drinks, they're not very strong. Yeah. If I have like three of those, I get like 90% of the, nice. like, the fun yeah. effect. Then you just stop. You yeah. don't feel like shit the next day. Yeah. You don't, you're not like, you know, you're not puking. Yeah. It's uh I still like once in a while for our staff parties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots, but definitely it's, it's, it can be fun. It's just the way I was doing it was not fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it was like what felt good about it was being somebody that grew up with such crippling anxiety all the time. Like high school was just a nightmare because like you're constantly worried about like what people are thinking about you. You know, I, I grew up kind of poor. So like, I didn't have nice clothes. I remember getting bullied a lot in elementary school over stuff like that. Like kids would throw pennies at me and crap like that. And it's like right right from like the age of like 12, I remember helping my neighbor roof houses so I could get some money to go buy clothes and stuff and just avoid that feeling because like it sucks, right? And like kids are so mean these days. And, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, and it's like it carries into high school and you're like, oh, I wonder if like, you know, like Graham was a pretty wealthy area at school, so everybody all the kids like their parents would freaking buy them like new cobalts and stuff as soon as they got their license and it's like that's crazy i'm driving like a 87 cavalier with rust all over it you know like park down the block because you don't want anybody <laughs> to see it and um yeah it was just li- i've basically lived my whole life worrying about being judged and uh when you drink or you're on some sort of substance that all goes away you, you have confidence to talk to people and speak up and be a little outgoing and stuff and that was very addicting for me because that was the first time in my life that like the chains were off and I can be somebody and get out there and you know and 
that's just that's what I did. I, I worked as a bouncer at Bailey's for a f- couple of years, and I just show up for my shift, start drinking, and just have a really good time every night. Yeah, well, you're the man when you're working the door, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, that that was another huge contributing factor to the, to the addiction was just letting go of anxiety and just being a human being, which I, I don't think a lot of people understand how crippling anxiety can be for people and and how much it takes away from your quality of life when you you can't bring yourself to get out there you know like things you make plans with people and it sounds like a really good idea at the time but then as the day draws near it's like you're making excuses you're stressed out you're lashing out at people in your life because you don't want to do it like every year my wife's work christmas party for a long time it was just like yeah yeah i'll go and then you know, the night of it, I'm flipping out because I can't find anything to wear. And it's, you know, I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to be around people. And it's, you know. Yeah. And like a lot of people just get written off as like assholes because yeah. of that. Right. And they don't know it's just because like this person's got serious anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something I've struggled with my whole life too, is being perceived as a, as a dick or angry. What's wrong? Why are you always mad? They always say, and it's like, well, I try to smile. I look awkward, I guess, you know, like it's, <laughs> I don't know. I just constantly I just always feel like you're being judged and analyzed and under a microscope. And I mean, maybe being a bodybuilder wasn't the best decision to combat that. But well, like you kind of put yourself in the spotlight though, right? And it like almost like, like I can see it in some ways being a way to like fight that. Like mm-hmm. it's the biggest fear. Well, so just do it. Yeah. I think honestly, anxiety is the perfect environment for bodybuilding though, because when you need to be so perfect with meal timing and workout consistency and and sleep and just your lifestyle habits, my anxiety was rocked for that. Where it was like, if I was a little late on a meal, I was like panicking, you know. Like it was so I was on all the time. And as soon as I started with Greg, it was like he gave me the structure I needed to follow, and that was it. That's just what I did, you know. And it reflected in that you know, staying like pretty much stagely year round for a few years. Uh, it was just the discipline that came with it, but it, it was festering into my anxiety so much that it was like, you know, on my way home from work, but stuck in traffic and don't have my meal with me. And I'm like ready to like kick my window out and scream, you know, like (laughs) that's not okay either. And that's doing more harm than, than the missing the meal would, right? Like it's, it's all about, learning and understanding what what's more important and and how important is that nutrient timing and it's okay to be a little late on a meal you're not going to die and you're not going to lose muscle and you know like a big thing was actually understanding how hard it is to lose muscle yeah it's not as easy as like you think hey like not at all it's yeah it's not like a missed day or two and your body sheds muscle yeah you'll maybe lose some glycogen or something or some water but yeah yeah no, it would take like weeks of not training and not eating and being sick or, you know, like it's, it, I feel you work like, hard for that muscle and it stays, you know? Yeah. But I feel like you can be told that and people can listen to this, but probably nobody's going to fully believe it until something forces them to be off for a yeah. little bit and then they'll realize it. Yeah. Cause like I, I was told that and like back when I was like seriously into it, like I would get, I, I skipped so many family vacations yeah. because like. I was kind of the opposite. Like my family had, we were always okay growing up. Um, It was actually kind of cool because like I kind of went through the stages. Like when I was born, my family wasn't super well off. And then Mm -hmm. just my dad kind of kept 
working his way up. So I kind of lived through different experiences, which was cool. But by the end there, when I was like in my late teens, you know, they'd be going to Vegas or going wherever and I'd stay home because I didn't want to have to miss my meals and miss my workouts and stuff. And now I look back and that's just like the stupidest thing I could have done. I could have had these fun times with my family. Instead, I went to the gym in Saskatoon. I could have worked out when I was there and done my best to you know bring some protein powder and stick to it. Well, even like a place like Vegas, that's like the bodybuilding capital of the world. Pretty sure you could eat your meal plan at every restaurant there, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 cool like that. Like, yeah. you can customize whatever you need, pretty much. Actually, mm-hmm. for traveling now, it's way easier yeah. to stick to goals. Yeah, you can just call one of those meal prep companies in the States, and they'll deliver it to your hotel, and yeah, it's good to go. Super and cool. Gyms are so accessible nowadays. Like, there's really no excuse for somebody not to be successful if they truly wanted to attain their goals, no matter where they are what they're doing or what their job is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So, um, in your bodybuilding career, like where, where are you at now? Like what are the, your most recent accomplishments and what are you looking to do next? Um, I mean the forever dream is to be a professional athlete. Um, obviously it didn't pan out as doing it as a bodybuilder, but this is, this is where I'm at right now. And I feel like that's a realistic goal for me and I'm not, looking to give up like I did on other sports. So I, I did uh, nationals in 2018 was my last show. I got third in light heavyweight. Um, you know, that was a interesting experience because we got, we did our, our comparisons and then the first call out came out and I was put right in the middle and guys were moved around me, but I was left in the middle and I was like, which in the bodybuilding world means it's like looking you're like you're winning. Yeah. yeah. So I remember just going through the poses and I was just, I've never felt like that on stage. So energized, you know, like every pose, it was just like more and more energy. I think I even started smiling, which is like super (laughs) rare for me on stage. And, and, uh, they just kept comparing us and they did not move me. And I was like, holy crap, like I'm going to do it, you know? Uh, and then they sent us back and then they called the top three back out, which was me and two other guys. And I was on the outside and I was like, oh no. Didn't feel as energized, but still gave it my all, you know. Like, they, they posed us for probably about 12 minutes, which to anybody that's competed, like, that's a lot of posing, you know. Like, we yeah. were all had our tans running down with sweat. We'll go try to flex in the mirror for 12 minutes. It's yeah, hard. You got yeah. the light on you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I ended up getting third, which, I mean, you, you can't argue or be that guy or it's like, oh, I should have done. But I think I should have done better. If I, if I do look at pictures and comparisons, like, I was... I was on that day, you know. I can see that where I was off, like, my back is definitely a weak point, and I did get beat by those guys on my back poses, but that's only two poses out of out of eight, you know. Yeah, I remember being surprised, too, and I don't claim to be, like, an expert, but I've, I've seen enough to have a valid opinion and, yeah. like, a little bit surprised, but I also know I'm biased, like, I want you to win. Yeah. But, like, uh, yeah. yeah, you hate to say it, but, like, I kind of think the same thing. You yeah. probably... Even the guy that got second has come out since and, like, made a post where he's like, you know, uh, that was my worst showing ever. And I know it was, and I have a lot of respect for that guy, and I think he's honestly going to be the guy to take it or the guy to beat this year. But he's such a well-muscled guy, but, like, he just was not in shape for that show, and it it showed, and he was bloated, and, you know. So I didn't understand. Like, I felt like I deserved second at least, but I didn't quite understand. But I was still pretty happy you know I, I did the the toronto pro qualifier in may prior to that nationals was in october and uh i went out and i didn't even make the first call out it was it was so discouraging 
the top guys got called out and then they sent the top two back and then they brought me into the first call out. So still, you know, somebody that is getting noticed, but definitely not at the level You're that in I the expected. Mix. Yeah. So I remember I got off stage and I saw my wife and I started crying and, yeah. you know, I was like, this, this is everything. This was supposed to be everything and this is it. And it was like, that's, I got eighth place, you know, like, Oh, that sucks. And then, uh, it was a two-day show, so prejudging was one day. The finals were the next day. So I was like, you know, I'm going to give it my all. I'm gonna, I didn't quite agree with some of the tactics used to get in peaked for this, this day. So I'm going to do some of the stuff I've done in the past and try to come in a little drier tomorrow because I was, I was not in my best shape. And it was my first show with Ian. And uh, so, you know, I went and I had a burger, felt better, and started the process again to get ready for the next day and you put all this effort in and you go get tanned again and then you get there and they're like call it the top five only and they're like the rest of you guys can do a 30 second pose down and it's like oh, are you kidding me they like, didn't tell you that beforehand no so oh, that's like not right suffering and like anybody that's like done a water drop like it's two full days of that plus the days prior leading into it you know like it's whatever though it uh I, I wasn't a poor sport and I went and tried to improve and yeah, that's something I was happy about, but I was, I was really discouraged after that. Like I was moped around Toronto. Like we booked a, a week in Toronto after that show and we just moped around and <laughs> ended up going to Niagara Falls and trying to have a little bit of fun there and then went home. But it's hard though. Like I, like I don't relate on like the athlete side as much, but like, you know, like, for me in the business, if I put something in and I got something in my mind and I go all in on it yeah. and it doesn't work out how I envisioned, like it's hard to stay positive and just bounce back and you have to bounce back, but like, yeah, it's tough to do it instantly. Yeah. So I, I came back and I was a mess. My physique was bad. I was, you know, drinking beers there and eating like crap all week and, uh, got to work right away, you know? Like, oh, this is, I can't be like this. I got to fix this. And so I, I took a few days and, you know, ate, did the whole no carb thing and did some extra cardio and got rid of all that extra glycogen and let go of all that water retention and looked better. And, you know, so took a little break, but kept on everything. Uh, and then I think it was middle of August. So I said to Ian, I was like, yeah, I think I want to do nationals. And uh, talked to you, and you, you said you helped me out with that and support me. And I was like, okay, let's let's do this. Let's go. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's just a huge fire in there for that, feeling that crappy way I felt that I haven't felt since my first show because, you know, I've done just provincial-level shows since then, and I won everything that I did. So it was like going into that is like only, only winning, and then eighth place and – so that was a hard pill to swallow and then just trained really hard and came back to Toronto with a with a better plan and ended up third, you know. And you looked phenomenal at that show. Yeah, that was a really good show and I yeah. was really happy with that. Yeah. And still, you know, I was probably like only 191, maybe 190 pounds. And the cutoff for that class is 198. So, you know, those other guys in that class are at the top of that weight cutoff. So there's yeah. so there's a lot of room to improve still, which is exciting. Um, I think I've improved since then out of that class. But the way that it works is like 198 pounds of the cutoff. And then you go into heavyweight, which is 200 or 198 to like 220. 
So that's a that's a really big class, and you don't want to be a two hundred pound heavyweight, you know. So yeah, you'd rather die a little further. Yeah, that one ninety. So I'll definitely tr- be trying to get into that one hundred ninety eight pound class, I think. And uh, but that depends because last year they switched the format of nationals up where they they did the weigh ins the same day as the show. So if somebody has to starve to get into a class, they're going to be pretty flat. Yeah, and to try to fill up in hours before the show, it's not it's not ideal. So, I'll do they do that to prevent the water cutting and stuff? I'm not, or? I'm not sure why they would do that. It's new. I've never seen that before. So, if if that's the case, then we're just going for my best look, which would be you know a very light heavyweight. Yeah, <laughs> just wherever you end up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And that's going to be in Winnipeg or Toronto. So Winnipeg, uh, because I haven't competed in a couple of years, I have to requalify. So I got to yeah. do one of the regional qualifiers, and that'll be in Winnipeg. That's Eight and a half weeks out. Um, and then Toronto, this is basically the Toronto Pro Qualifier. They just moved it to a later date. And is it November now? Is that yeah, the plan? Yeah, November something. And they're, from what I've heard, it's actually not going to be in Toronto. It's going to be in Vaughan, Ontario. And okay. it's, it's, uh, there's another show there. It's like the President's Cup or something. It's the day before. And this is just going to be a carry-on from that show. So cost-effective and out of the region that's got the most lockdowns. Yeah, because if they were planning on Toronto, I feel like there's a good chance that it would get canceled yeah. again. Yeah, so it looks like they're doing everything possible to make sure this show happens, and that's kind of the the that's kind of what I've gotten from just watching the updates and stuff. Like, um, it's, it's awesome that they're even having a show because um, the two CPA promoters, uh, Ron Hash and uh, Rudy... Uh, Rudy got diagnosed with cancer this year, and Ron's son died this year. So they've had, they've a, had a hard year, really hard year. So it's you know it's admirable that Ron is still pushing on to do this. Yeah, no kidding. With everything going on outside of their family, yeah, as well as that, they can and be easy to it's, quit. It's not like they're doing these shows to make any money because the circumstances are probably not going to allow an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fully dependent on entries from athletes and stuff like that. Like they were just granted a couple extra pro cards for physique and bikini. So that's hopefully a draw for the most heavily populated classes anyways. So that will help fund the show, right? Like basically this year it's just about funding something to happen for the athlete. It's hundred percent for the athletes, you know, so giving us something to work towards and something to finish with. So that's, that's great that they've done that. Cause other federations have just scrapped it all together. Yeah, well, it would be easier to do that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That yeah. CPA seems like they're a good organization yeah. for for the athletes. They're they're good. There's they're basically the Ontario Physique Association is the CPA. Okay. They just took over and, and carried on. So it's it's a very Ontario based organization, which is it's great because they have like you know the highest level athletes there and and so many more opportunities and stuff. But it just kind of like. It would be nice to see Nationals branch away from uh, Toronto or Ontario, you know, and, and come out west or have some pro show. I guess we do get the Vancouver pro show, but it's just, it's like, it's that's just those shows every year. It's the yep. Toronto pro qualifier, Vancouver pro qualifier, and Nationals, and then the natural Nationals, and everything's just Toronto, you know, so it'd be, it'd be cool to see it uh, stretch out a little more because 
you know, when you when you go to those shows and the Ontario boys are always winning, it makes you wonder a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, to be honest, like, I kind of miss, like, parts of the old Sabbath days when, like, everybody competed in Saskatchewan and yeah. it got everybody yeah. together and stuff. Yeah. I don't understand it from the competitor side as well, so it might be better now. But, like, I don't, I, I don't it would know. be I cool if there was more in Saskatchewan. I agree because it... it uh, it had that whole ladder system, right? Like, it was like, do your novice show, win provincials. Provincials meant something. Yeah. You know, there's a show in Regina. It's called the Sass Classic. But what does that even mean? You know? It's a great show. It's but a yeah. great show, but, like, winning that, what does that make you? You know? You're just the regional show winner, winner, which sounds way less exciting than being the provincial champion. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, like, the level system made it so, like, you had to basically win in your province or do... Yeah. be at a certain level and then you'd go up to yeah. the national level yeah so now it's like do this ass classic but are you the best in the province because well i'm going to manitoba to compete and so and so is going to alberta to compete so are the best athletes actually competing in saskatchewan do you earn that title or you know but basically the way that they formulated the cpa now is it's like nothing matters you're just going for a pro card yeah you know yeah and that's all that matters the these smaller levels um, not important. There's no titles to be won, which I, I miss because a lot of people are not, their goal is not a pro card, but competing still gives them a reason to get into better shape and try hard at something and, you know, give it a, give it a chase and give it a taste. But yeah, cause there's people who could have a very realistic shot of being the best in their province yeah. who might not ever be able to be a pro though. Yeah. And it'd be cool for them to have that to chase. Mm -hmm. But maybe as like, maybe as it does continue to grow, it could be possible to like have that again, right? Hopefully. I just feel like they're trying to follow the NPC motto in the States too much, but I think they do have their own state shows and stuff. Like you, you would be like Mr minnesota or something like that yeah that's that's the title you're looking for mr saskatchewan or yeah. mr manitoba and that's that's what they I think they need to like reintegrate again yeah i would agree with that because yeah. when you were mr saskatchewan like that was sweet yeah it was and awesome I remember we like know? we sponsored mr saskatchewan and it was cool yeah and that, was, that like, was your title for the year like that was that you were mr saskatchewan it was it was a honor to have and to to to, to wear you know so yeah so how do you go about balancing all this with owning your gym like is has the gym gotten in the way or has it like no. enabled you more freedom it's for surely enabled me way more freedom to take this to the next level like i could never imagine having an off season like i just had working a labor job being 265 pounds barely being able to walk without needing a nap you know like yeah i'm not saying that i did it right but that's just what i what i got up to and that was it and it was like i needed to sleep all the time I needed an hour to eat my meals. Like I, I need, you're a big baby at that point, you know, like off season bodybuilders is the biggest diva babies that there is. And everything is around your day. And, and, you know, you have to take your long hour to eat and you need to train, but at, at your pace and, you know, everything revolves around you. And so the gym has been like, a fantastic environment for that because I've just been able to sit on my butt and grow. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. You market your gym, take care of your members, train people, yeah, and just be a face there. Yeah, and it's yeah. What I do notice though is uh, a huge difference in trying to diet without labor work. It's a lot harder to get in shape now because um, you're not burning calories all yeah, day. Yeah, working in the sun, sweating, being active. 
you know, I started my prep in February and then the lockdown happened in March and I continued my prep on even though the shows were canceled because, you know, I was pretty high body fat and I needed, I was having some blood pressure issues. I couldn't, even with medication and all the supplements on the market, I couldn't get it down. So the next step was to lose some weight and take some pressure off the body. So I was committed to this, this prep no matter what show happened. So I dieted through the four months of lockdown and, oh man, it was a slow, hard, tough process. Like I, you really learn how little food you need to, to be in a deficit. And when you're not, when you do have like a sedentary job or, or anything like for that, most of that quarantine, all, all I did is wake up and go hang out with my kids and sit on the couch. And, you know, that was my day. And it was awesome in the aspect because I had just had my son two weeks before the, the lockdown. So I got to spend, you know, the first three, four months of his life with them every single day and made a huge difference in comparison to my daughter where, you know, I was working in a pretty high-pressure environment. And, like, the day after we had her, it was like, you know, you're getting nagged to get back to work. So it was, you know, a lot of time away from her when you're working all day and you got to go to the gym after work and so on and so forth. So she was definitely a huge mama's girl, whereas my son is very, like, 50-50. Since I've gone back to work, he's a little bit more of a mama's boy again, but he still gets pretty excited to see me, which is a really cool feeling. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's, like, I mean, never really good timing for a pandemic, but, like, yeah. Stuff like that. There's some like some light to find. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I definitely was ha- making the best of the situation. Um, I was happy. Uh, at first, I was really scared because you know here we are with this two week old baby, and they're saying this thing's happening, and they're not giving any information as to how to protect yourselves and your family. And it's like I- I'm fine. I'll I'll get it. I'll take the risk. But like, what about my kids? You know, and yeah. so. It was it was pretty scary at first, but as time went on, it was just kind of like, uh, you know, what's what's real, what's fake, what's what's the risk factor, and what am I what am I standing to lose by following the recommendations? The world is very tough to decipher right now because mm-hmm. there's well, everybody seems so polarized, so it seems like it's like everything's like us versus them mentality instead of just like sticking to fact. It's really hard right now. And I think a lot of people are like extra stressed and like I'm noticing like people are more confrontational, easier Mm -hmm. to set off just because like nobody's really sure what's going on. Everybody feels uncertain about what like the next, what's the next year going to bring, you know, does this continue? It's a weird time. It's a weird time to be owning a gym. Like your gym was shut down. Yeah. How is it? Like, is it coming back or people are people coming? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's as busy as it was before, but it's summertime and yeah, that's which is very normal slow. in the in the gym world for people to take off and take weeks off at the lake and just lose their commitment altogether and then they'll come come back in the fall. Like we we haven't had very many cancellations, but for every cancellation we've had a new sign up. So it's yeah. been good in that aspect. Um people are good. Nobody's seems very scared or afraid like we have protocols in place uh we had to spend a bunch of money on like hand sanitizer and fortunately we didn't have to move very much equipment around but we put up some dividers between machines and stuff like it's overall when you walk into forge fitness it's it's really not that much different than it was before and and everything fits the guidelines but you guys were always very clean and you always took care of things and like you have a pretty like tight-knit community so none of your members are gonna be like 
you know, like you're not gonna have to deal with people breaking the rules and yeah, like yeah, no, that's that's the really nice thing about the gym is it, it does attract this. I don't know what we put out, but what we've what we've attracted is like an awesome community of people that are very like minded and and get along, and there's all sorts of variety and diversity of people, and you know. Um, here we are with our like big bodybuilding mural on the wall and a bunch of hardcore bodybuilders, but like that gym is so far from hardcore, you know, like it's, it's a really nice community family vibe. Like I love it there, you know, every morning, like we got the daycare, you got moms bringing their kids in and it's just, it's just a really good environment. I like being there a lot. I like being around the kids and having my family there and my kids and it's, it's just such a blessing. Um, and everybody, like, even before we shut down, like, our members were going above and beyond and, like, wiping and washing everything. And, like, they would wash the barbells and, like, just our morning crew would do stuff like that. And so everybody was ready to, like, pull up their sleeves and, and help. And everybody really helped us through the through the close down, too. You know, like, we put it out there that if you can afford to keep your memberships going, the bills keep coming whether we're closed or not or open. Yeah. and. A lot of people helped us helped us through that time, so it's it's definitely, uh, you know, like a really really good community of people that we have there. And I feel like Saskatchewan as a whole kind of is like pretty good, like yeah. overall for that stuff. Like yeah, you I need you need something, and everybody seems to pull together for it. So. Yeah, like I know I've had a ton of support from Saskatchewan, and like I don't, it seems like good people. If if you're a good person, then good people support you, and it just yeah. kind of seems to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's good. So you guys are you'll make it through this all you're good yeah, yeah yeah we're good that's sweet and then uh last thing i wanted to touch on was you just got picked up by a new supplement company yeah so new sponsored athlete for what's the company uh hd muscle so that's uh all those big boys out east like dorian hamilton his brother noah hamilton you got antoine Vellant, uh frank mcgrath all those guys kind of have i'm not sure if they're all involved but they're all uh you know the guys we look up to in Canada and yeah. and uh, so I I actually reached out to to hire Dorian a little while ago uh, in February, um, mostly just because like I've been watching him over the years and he's he's reached out to help me before and uh, I I've been watching him over the years and I just I love what he does I love the positive environment I love the camaraderie between him and his guys and the environment that he's built out there with uh you know the muscle mansion and pure pure muscle and fitness and just what he's doing is so different than the typical bodybuilding coach and um I really wanted to absorb that positivity into my own life and you know change because we are in a way kind of uh, a product of our environment and you know Greg was like a knowledgeable coach, but he was an asshole. Like, yeah, well, you can watch his YouTube videos. Yeah, and like he was, he's he was hilarious such a, though. Yeah, but like I remember reaching out to him um, twenty seventeen when I was at the, like the peak of my mental health issues, and we were three weeks out from a show, and I was just like, you know, like Greg, I'm really depressed. Like I'm not doing well. Uh, I get home from work, and I like the sight of my wife and daughter just makes me want to like run away i locked myself in my room upstairs like I, just, I don't know what's going on i don't understand why i feel like this and, and he's like well you got to put yourself ahead of your wife and your kid yeah that's not and i was like that's the worst advice i've ever heard <laughs> and that after that it was just like you know what, i'm done because it's 
it, it was years building up to that of just like you know coming to him for help and just kind of getting like really like this guy is going to be alone with no kids for the rest of his life and you can tell <laughs> you yeah. know like those types of answers and and uh ian was really good he was good to talk to but he's i don't know i don't really have any complaints too it was just really time appealing what's that just time for a change kind of try something new yeah it was just i was it's just so appealing what uh what dorian was was doing at the time and again like i i find like i struggle with um being perceived as negative and i just thought you know this this might be something really good for me to try um they they do a, they do a lot of things and they help people get out there and um yeah so i just i i hired him he ended up being a little too busy to help me though at the time um so he set me up with justin compton which is i was a little unsure about and i was like ah like you know i really did this to work with dorian and it's kind of disappointing and i was like if i'm gonna work with justin like justin's really comparable to ian and it's like well then i should have just stayed you know and um it's turned out really good with justin though um i'm I'm happy with how things are going and i'm you know happy to see it through and yeah it looks like it's working yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and he's he's uh what i like about justin is he's he's got me using the least amount of stuff that i've ever used in my life and he's very pro health and from what i've heard in the industry if you have health issues or questions he's the guy to talk to so which for you is like a family person like that's obviously like a legit concern right you want to do things healthy Yeah, yeah so like a little while ago, I had a little bit of a health scare where um, I've kind of ignored it for years, but I get like an irregular heartbeat. And uh, I finally went to the doctor with it because like sometimes the episodes last like six, seven hours. And it's it's like, oh, what's going on, you know? And they kind of made it out to be a lot more serious than it was. But uh, I did end up getting like a echo done and it did show that I have like a slightly enlarged heart, which is something maybe to be concerned about but it's also something very common in athletes and i could have had this when i was young i could you know like it's it's too vague to just be like bodybuilding did this to me and i would i'm like working with healthcare professionals that are not so quick to blame bodybuilding for things and actually see if there's an actual problem going on and stuff like that so you know I, i have a cardiologist now and we keep an eye on things and my blood pressure's under control and using, like I said, the lowest doses of stuff with Justin that I've ever used and getting the same results, if not better. So um, his best friend, he said, is a cardiologist, so that helps too in that aspect. I just yeah, feel like good I'm... information to have. Yeah, so I just feel like I'm in really good hands to to do this properly because if, uh, if things kind of kept... Like, I can't do another off-season like I just did and get heavy like that. I'll never be able to do that again. It just... My body can't handle it. I get too high of blood pressure, and ignoring that blood pressure for too long is really bad for your heart health. So yeah. that's not something I'll ever do again, and it's just something you need to be very very aware of. And, you know, it's easy at the, in the moment to just push the envelope and be like, you know, you're it's only a few more months, and, you know, but that, that could be the end. So it's just... It's not a risk I'm willing to take, so... Yeah, well, like I said, you got a family. It's not really worth it. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, so Justin, he's with... Like, he's with HD, HD Muscle, yeah. They yeah. brought him on to help out because he's... Dorian's so busy with all the pros that he has now, and he... he Justin's a good eye to have for that yeah. stuff, too. Like, well, Dorian's busy. Like He's got a huge gym, yeah. like pure muscle and fitness. It's huge. Mm-hmm. He's got a supplement company, and he's a 
coach. Yeah. His supplements are sweet. Do you, like, yeah. Have you tried many of them yet? Yeah. So I tested yesterday. Yeah. I finally tried the pre-workout yesterday, the Ultra, HD Ultra. And that's probably the best one that I've used yet. Like, I remember just, like, sitting there. I took it, and I was just sitting on my phone. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you know that setting on in Instagram where you can, like, the vignette or whatever, like, yeah. makes it darker on you? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> That's the best explanation <laughs> I've ever heard. That's when the new tropics hit. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, holy crap, like, something's going on. And I messaged you right away, and I was like, I'm going to going to do my workout, and this is awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was such a killer workout. Like, I trained and did extra. Uh, no crash. It was just clean energy. That's the best word I can use to describe it is a very clean energy. It, it, it hit hard, and it hit fast. And it hit clean. And it, for me, I have to be pretty careful when I'm training. Um, I can't get my heart rate too high or sometimes it will go into an irregular beat. So with that one, I'm a little hesitant on higher caffeine doses. But that one had 275, which is a little higher than I like to go. But like it, it was fine. Like it kept it. I pushed myself on sets and it kept it in a, a good steady beat. I don't know if it really contributed to anything. But um yeah, it was awesome, and I just started their their vitamin product, their Vita HD today too, which is it's a super good vitamin. Yeah, like excellent for for athletes and really anybody, but it just covers all the bases and cuts down if you are really serious about your supplementation. Like it cuts down a lot of pill volume. You don't have to take a lot of things if you're gonna take that all in one. Yeah, and it looks expensive, like at the sticker price. But yeah, like when you start looking, okay, if I wanted to buy curcumin on its own, that's forty bucks a month. If it, yeah, you know, like once you add it all up, it's actually pretty cost. Yeah, like ninety nine bucks for a two month supply too. So. Yeah, it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most like what does the progressive multivitamin go for? At it's like, probably forty forty five bucks a and month. And that most that doesn't places. even last uh, a year. You know, it lasts like three months. Yeah. So like, or, or like what am I jo- Yeah, a, year. a month, like three weeks. I don't year. know why I'm talking about a yeah. year. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so, I mean, best bang for your buck, I think, for sure. Yeah, and then did you, like, did they have their intro to ship you yet? No, no? they're still out of it, so. Yeah, it's super good. We got a tub, like, to try out. Yeah. And so, like, we're bringing that in, too, but I just don't know when we can get it. Yeah. But it's, like, yeah, EAA, coconut water. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah, everything they have is good. It's uh, just about putting those quality ingredients in that are going to be easy for digestion and clinically dosing things properly. Like, you can definitely feel the clinical dose of those nootropics hitting you, you know, in comparison to anything else that I've tried so far. So, yeah. And they use all the patented forms of ingredients too. So like, they're not getting like some sketchy raw from China that you don't know what it is. Like it's like actual patented, like studied forms of every ingredient. So it's super good. Yeah. So costs a little more, but I think it's definitely worth it. I think so too. I'm really glad you got sponsored by them. I think it's like a perfect fit for you, even without the coaching stuff, like just like in terms of like what you like to take, what you promote, their slogan, integrity is everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. It's, it's a cool deal. Like there's like a group chat on WhatsApp and like they always kind of bring in, like they have some pretty high name athletes as part of the team, like Brian Ainsley and like, you know, he's second at the Olympia and, they, br- they bring those guys in for, like, Zoom calls, and they bring, like, marketing people that are really good at marketing and on the team on, and they'll talk and, like, help you out with, like, your social media and stuff and getting on camera and talking to the camera and how to, you know, increase your following and stuff like that, which is all things that, you know, I could use help with. So I'm yeah. excited to see, see where it takes me, and I like that they invest so much into their athletes and when it, like all aspects of it, you know, like you're constantly being contacted and made sure that you're being taken care of. And 
seems like a really good company to be part of. So I think they are. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for doing this, man. This was a sweet first episode. I yeah. think people are going to love this. It was sweet. Even I got to know you a bit better through this. <laughs> I've known you for five years and I learned things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks that was for sweet. having me. Okay. See ya.